chapter, Mark 7, verse 24 this evening. I'll ask if you will find your place and stand to your feet tonight as we honor the reverence, the, the reading of the Word of God. Verse 24. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into an house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And he answered and said unto him, Excuse me, and she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. Amen. Love these verses. I've preached in the book of Matthew parallel accounts of this, of course. And I want to preach on this thought tonight. Crumbs from the master's table. Father, would you help us tonight to preach the word in the power and demonstration of your spirit. Lord, I need your touch upon my body physically. Lord, I pray that you would touch me spiritually. God, I pray that you would help every ear tonight, God, to hear what the spirit has to say to the church. And God, if there's a lost person here, that God, you'd prick their heart with sweet conviction and surrender. And with this, I pray in Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I want to say maybe three or four things here out of this, out of this little uh, passage of Scripture, this paragraph of Scripture that we see. First of all, I want us to consider his position. When this chapter began, chapter 7, the Jewish religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, they came to Jesus and the Bible said in verse 2, they saw that Jesus' disciples were eating bread with defiled, that is to say unwashing hands, and they've come to find fault with the Lord Jesus Christ. And not just that they didn't wash their hands when they were eating, but they considered them to be defiled because they didn't use so many ounces of water with so many different types of things and scrub for so long and so it defiled their ceremonial law. And so here these scribes, these religious leaders, they've come to Jesus to find fault. They criticized him. He said, listen, he, he, he stood his ground, right? In verse number six, he said, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And so Jesus stood his ground, and as a result, Jesus withdraws himself from the region of Galilee, and he goes into the region, according to verse 24, known as Tyre and Sidon. It is the coastal country. It is mostly comprised of Gentile people. And the Bible says in verse 24, when he came into that region, that he entered into a house, and he would have no man to know it. What he was trying to do is he was trying to have a low key. You know, sometimes we kind of want to slip in and just have some rest and relaxation and just kind of slip out. But let me tell you something about Jesus. How many of y'all know 
Jesus, you can't hide him. You, you try to put, you get him, you get saved, amen, it'll get out on you that he's in there, amen. And I'm telling you tonight, if you're hiding Jesus, you better see if you really got him, amen, because he cannot be hidden, amen. I think about Nicodemus who, who came to Jesus by night in the book of John. We know that he heard the gospel. I believe he got saved because when Jesus died on the cross and they went to bury him, Nicodemus was along with Joseph of Arimathea bringing a hundred pound weight of spices. Now Nicodemus, who came by night before, is stepping out into the open to help uh, anoint the body of Jesus and put it in the tomb. What, what's, why's the difference? Why is he now willing to step out? I'll tell you what it is. He got saved. And when, G, when you get Jesus, it'll get out on you, amen? So we see his position. Now just consider with me for a second. I read these verses already, verses 24 through 30. But when this chapter started, the Jews have rejected Jesus. The religious leaders rejected Jesus. Who was it put Jesus on the cross? It was really religion. The religious Jews are the ones that criticized him and attacked him. And they're the ones that set up and even uh, paid Judas to go and betray him. It was religion that put Jesus on the cross. You may say, preacher, it was the Gentiles. It was the Romans. No, honey, it was our sins, amen, all of our sins. But ultimately, the, all of our sins put him there. But he died because he loved us. He wanted to forgive us. But religion, you see what religion does? It's an attack, it's an attack dome. That's all it does. And in the first part of this chapter, religion is attacking Jesus, attacking Jesus. So he goes to Tyre and Sidon to strategically withdraw himself, but he couldn't be hid. And look with me in verse 25, we see her petition. The Bible says there was a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit. When she heard of him, she came and fell at his feet. She was a Greek, she was a Gentile woman, she was a Syrophoenician, she was a woman of Canaan, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. Look at the difference. The Gentiles, here's this Gentile woman, someone considered weak, going to receive Jesus, and the religious leaders are going to re have rejected Jesus. Do you see the contrast right in this chapter? Religion has rejected Jesus and here's a Gentile woman who's receiving Jesus. Now look with me in verse 26 very carefully. Uh, the Bible says that she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. Verse 25 says, when she heard of him, she came and fell at his feet. So let's talk about this woman. She's a Greek. She's a Gentile. Uh, there's no mention of her husband. Maybe she's widowed. But we know this. If she's a Gentile, she's a foreigner to the covenant of promise with the Jews. She's an outcast. She's a stranger. She's without hope and without God in this present world. She's unworthy. She's unclean. A woman of Canaan living under a curse, amen. And that area is known for idolatry. Her daughter is grievously vexed for with the devil. What may that say about her family? May I say this tonight, that we as sinners... We're living under the curse of sin. Death was hanging, a death sentence was hanging over our heads. Oh yes, Colossians 1.21 says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your minds by, enemies in your minds by your wicked works. This woman has obstacles in her life 
and that would hinder her. But she didn't let the obstacles stop her from getting to Jesus. What her obstacles were were not important. Who he is is what's important. Tonight you may be here with obstacles in your life, hindrances, adversities, problems, and you'll see them and say, man, I'll never get to Jesus. But you don't need to see your obstacles. You need to look past them and see who he is. And when you get a glimpse of who he is, your obstacles won't even matter anymore. Amen. The Bible says in verse 25, when she heard of him, she came and fell at his feet. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. When she heard of him. Amen. Praise the Lord there. This woman is exercising her faith and she's seizing the opportunity to get at Jesus' feet. Verse 26 says, not only did she, she come to where Jesus was in verse 25, but verse 26 says she besought him. That means she called upon him. It, it's a call to the right person. It's, it's a call in earnest expectation. She, she's not there to see some, some religious leader. She's not there to... Uh, just to come and uh, get some doctor's uh, note or some prescription, amen. She has come to Jesus because all other methods have failed her. I'll tell you something. You can look uh, for salvation in religion, but you won't find it. You can look for salvation in baptism, but you won't find it. Everything else, money, all your works, they'll fail you. But honey, if you'll come to Jesus, amen, and fall at his feet, he can do something for you. So society and religion have failed her. All her hope, all her faith was in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that, do you see the, the outline mounting up? She came. She called on him. Verse 26, she has cried for him. What is her petition? What's she crying for? Why is she praying about? She has a daughter. Look with me. That he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. Her daughter is tormented. Hell is assaulting her. Her daughter is in pain. No doubt this woman has exhausted all her resources available to her. Nothing has changed. And I promise you that if that was your daughter, you would have done something about it. You wouldn't let obstacles and adversity stop you, honey. If that was your daughter, you would be moved in any way that you could to help. Her case was a case of desperation. Underlining my Bible, those two words at the end of verse 26, her daughter, that's very important. Her daughter was acting out in violence. She's, she's possessed of a devil. She's uh, living in sin. She, she needs help. Her, her burden, her, her pain is great. I may say this tonight. Listen, you may say, well, you, you're reading that preacher there and that pronoun. It was her daughter, but it's not mine. And we can sit here and say, well, okay, I kind of get it. But if it had been your daughter... And I'm promising you this, sometime or another, your children are going to need a Savior. Both my boy and my girl, they needed a Savior. And I started crying out when they were first conceived that God would save them one day. And I prayed that prayer faithfully. And I got to see, listen, my daughter's older than my son. I got to see my, my daughter make a profession of faith and baptized. And I got to see my son get saved. And I saw him get baptized. And then I saw my son surrender to preach. And one night in the popcorn service, 
while we had five-minute preachers, that night I looked, Luke was the fifth preacher, and he preached five minutes, and I was leading somebody to the Lord over here, and there was people every which way getting saved. And when I stood up, somebody was shouting, praising God. When I stood up and come around, I looked, and my daughter was over here in the altar, and Luke had finished preaching. He was down praying with her. And I thought, do tell. What's going on over here? So I come walking around the corner. She got up. She wiped tears. Girl, if you're listening, you bless my heart. She got up, wiped tears out of her face. She said, you know, years ago I made a profession of faith. I said I saved. But I knew I really wasn't. And I, God's been dealing with me about this for years. And I was afraid of what will the church say about the pastor's daughter getting saved? What will the church say about the pastor's daughter who said she's saved, who's baptized and a member of the church? What will they say about the pastor's daughter getting saved? But she looked at me, and after she, Luke had prayed with her, she grabbed me, she said, but Daddy, I didn't care anymore what they thought. You see, that's what you've got to get to. You've got to get to the place that you don't care what people think. What people think is an obstacle. I'm telling you that you individually have to have a bona fide, genuine experience with God. You're not saved because your mama said, well, I remember when you was four, you got saved. Honey, I talked to this boy the other day. He said, well, let me tell you, preacher, I, I got saved when I was young. Tell me about it. Well, I don't remember anything about it. Let me tell you something. When I got born again, I can tell you all about it. Amen. I can tell you a lot. I can tell you the conviction, the wrestling. Amen. I'm not saved because my daddy said so or my mama said so. I'm saved because I called on Jesus Christ. I was burdened for my family, and I got to see both of my children get in. Amen. I remember when God was dealing with me about preaching. My dad got sick, I mean, it had a simple surgery. He ended up being in the hospital 35 days. They nicked a bowel. A peritonitis said, I mean, all kinds of issues. Thought he was going to die. Went into a coma. It was going to be over. And I said, God, you're calling me. And God, if, if, if I'll surrender to preach. If you'll heal my daddy, I will surrender to preach. During this time frame, when he's unable to be in church, he's the pastor. We didn't have any preachers. He was incapacitated. He couldn't call people in a coma who was going to conduct the service. So guess who took the service on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday? Guess who did the Bible school? And I wasn't even preaching. God was dealing me about preaching. And I got up there and a priest and God saved 23. And I wasn't even surrendered yet. And one of them was my wife who was a better person than I ever thought about being. She got gloriously born again. And she told me, she said, honey, she said it was during this time with your daddy. He was laying there. And there he had peace, tears running down his face. I said, I'll go get somebody, dad. We'll get a medicine, something to help you for the pain you're enduring, the tears. He said, son, no. He grabbed me by my coattail. He said, son, you don't understand. God chose me to suffer this for his glory. I'm weeping because I'm honored that I could suffer for him. And my wife said, your daddy's got something I don't have. I don't think that way. It doesn't register that way. How can he have the peace of God in that situation? Because he's saved, amen. And God gave him the grace to get through. And there I was over and praying, reading some of these very verses I'm reading tonight. 
And man, I'm telling you, I said, Lord, if you'll heal him, God, I'll surrender to preach. You're saving people. You're working in my family. And I'm going to tell you something. I saw underneath the sheet his hand come out and begin to reach and grasp. And all of a sudden he grabbed something. I didn't know what it was in midair. His other hand came up and he opened his eyes. He said, praise God, son. Praise God. And now I'm here tonight to tell you fine people all these many years later that I surrender to preach because I saw the calling of God on my life and the miracles that God wrought as an answer to prayer. And I stand here tonight to tell you that I've had burns for my daddy, burns for my mother, burns for my children. And I'm telling you, you pray different when it's you and your family. Amen. And this woman, it was her daughter, honey. And Jesus has come to her village. And she's not letting what people think about her, what people are going to say about her. She's not going to let obstacles stop her. Well, preacher Darren, I think maybe she'll get healed or something. No, bless God. Jesus is here. I'm doing something about it tonight. I'm not putting it off anymore. I'm not waiting to see what mama thinks about it or what daddy's going to say. I'm going to do what the Holy Ghost says I need to do. I'm going to get saved. I'm going to get that older. I'm going to trust him. Amen. Hallelujah. You see his position? He's near. You see her petition? Amen. <laughs> She's crying out because it's her daughter and the devil seemingly has a clutch hold upon her life. Well, hallelujah. She came. She called. She cried out. That's what I did, amen. When I made my way to the altar that night, I got saved. I came. <laughs> Woo! I called out and I cried upon him, amen. And he saved me. Thirdly, I want you to see her persistence. Now, here's the outline. His position, her petition, now her persistence. Look with me in verse number 27. She's come, she's besought him, she's cried out, she's called upon him, she's told him the need, but, oh, there's a word right there, look at that one, but, oh, Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled. You know what that means? He, what he's saying is, woman, you're a Gentile, and we're Jews, and I am not come for the Gentiles, but I'm come to the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel. I've come to give bread to the children of Israel. And you're a stranger. You're a foreigner. You're an exile. She could have got, y'all look at me. She could have got mad and said, I quit then. I'll never come back to this church to hear you preach. She didn't do that. She wasn't offended. She didn't get mad. She didn't get upset when he said, I've come that the children may be filled. She listened to what the Lord had to say, amen, hallelujah. She was not offended, you know why? Because he has what she needs. This, I'm going to tell you what this is. Preacher Darren, he's not answering her prayer right here. He's putting her off. I can read Matthew's gospel. When she first spoke to him, Matthew said he answered her not a word. Read it, go back and read the parallel text. Let's turn there, just, amen, just in case you're wandering tonight. The book of Matthew chapter 15. Look with me, Matthew chapter number 15. She said in verse 22, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Look at verse 23 of Matthew 15. But he answered her not a word at first. He didn't say a word. Hey, guess what? Have you ever prayed? You didn't get an answer? Well, I guess I'll just quit because he didn't answer 
He didn't answer when and he didn't answer how. Now look, look with me. And, there's a big word, his disciples came and besought him saying, send her away for she crieth after us. In other words, Jesus, Peter, James, John, Matthew, Thomas, all the boys said, Lord, send this woman away. She's crying after us. Did you read anywhere in the scripture where she said, oh, Simon Peter, would you heal me? You see where she bowed down to Thomas and said, oh, you can do anything. Oh, no, she's not crying after them. It's just the disciples, they don't want anything to do with the Jews. They want to shun her. They want to reject her. Imagine you coming into Bethel tonight and they say, say, say hey, send her away. She's trying to get in on the service here at Bethel. This is just for Bethelites. But this ain't for visiting people. Now, Miss Kathy, I'm not saying you're visiting people. She, she got the boots lip when I said it, amen. No, she's just fine smiling. Let me say, that woman could have got upset. He answered her not a word. Adversity. She stayed right there. Now the disciples said, send her away. She's crying after us. We don't want her here. We're rejecting her. We're calling her. How do you feel when you, you get your little feelings hurt? I mean, bless God. You say, I ain't going back to church. Something such, such and such hurt my feelings. The preacher said something. I don't like it. It hurt my feelings. So-and-so didn't look at me right. It hurt my feelings. I'm not going back. But bless God, every time I go to Walmart and have to pay their gas prices or, or, or I have to pay, I, I pay taxes in the, in the United States, it hurts my feelings every time. But I continue going back to Walmart. I continue going, amen. Preacher, you know why? Because you ain't got a choice. If you want healing, where else are you going to go? If you want help, wherever you're going to go, you've got to go to Jesus. Look, the adversity didn't stop. We're still in Matthew. Bible says, verse 24, but he answered. Now he says, I am not sent, but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Adversity again. You're a Gentile. I'm here for the house of Israel. Now Jesus is shunned Parallels to what we just read to you out of the book of Mark. Look what she did when her faith ran into opposition. When there was real adversity to her faith. Then, verse 25, came she and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. I believe that's the biggest prayer in the Bible right there. Right to the heart of the matter. She worshipped him. What would she call him? Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Before he did anything for her daughter, he's going to do something for her. Amen. And now she's called him Lord, had submitted his authority. Now he's going to do something for her daughter. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm talking to somebody tonight. You have a prayer request, something you're trying to get through. You're in desperation about it. It's not somebody else's problem. It's her problem. It's his problem. You're dealing with that tonight. And preacher Darren, there's opposition. There's adversity. Some things have been said. Some lies have been told. Some misrepresentations and some misunderstandings are taking place. But preacher, then I can't get a prayer off the ground. What on earth am I going to do? Honey, have you considered it may be a testing or a trial of your faith? You need to stay your ground. You need to get on your knees and bow and say, God, I don't pretend to understand this, but you have what I need, and I'm not letting adversity drive me away. I feel preaching, stirring. I'm going to stay with you, Lord, and I'm going to worship you. Lord, help me. Amen. That's all we need to do, youngins. Lord, help me. Amen. Faith, you need to write this down. Faith does not show objections. 
faith, faith in this about saying, oh, no, I, I, I object to that. I, I, Naaman, you, you want to be healed? Go in the Jordan River and dip seven times. Not a good idea, said Naaman. Well, guess what? You're not getting healed. But if you'll go by faith and dip seven times, you, you'll be a real faith. When he dipped seven times, he was healed. Real faith cannot have objections. Real faith does what God says do. Faith is not fettered by your fears. Faith is not altered by your appearances. Faith is not limited by your logic because it doesn't make sense to you. That's ridiculous. You're not God. You're a human. He's way up there and you're way down here. Amen. Now look back in the book of Mark. We've summoned adversity. Let the children first be filled. Then he says, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. He's the living bread sent down from God from heaven. She's an outsider. And look what he called her. He called her a dog. A dog is an unclean animal. Oh, Preacher Darren, I love my dog. I let my dog just lick, 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 lick. I just, Preacher Darren, dogs are, let's just talk about dogs for a second. My wife, for years, had a little Shih Tzu by the name of Macy. Many of y'all have been here for years. Y'all remember little Macy. She had a little bow in between her, her little ears there, and her little tail was curled up, and she'd go get her uh, a good bath, and she'd perfume her. Oh, and that little dog, she was treated like a queen. In my, she had a better life than I've got in our household. I'm telling you, she, all, she didn't have to do anything for herself. Her mama's going to take care of it. Miss Jean's going to take care of that dog. We went and had her groomed. We brought her back to the house. And she was always good about going out to the potty. She didn't make many mistakes in the house. And you could just open the door. She'd go out and do her business and come back. Well, we let her out to go do her business after we got home. But she didn't come back this time like she normally does, pawing at the door. And we looked, and down there in that road, there'd been a possum run over. And Macy had to go check on that possum to see if he's alive or dead. And then she got so close to it that not only did she see if it's alive or dead, she wanted to smell if it was alive or dead. And then she wanted to taste if it was alive or dead. And then I seen that dog who's just had a bath and perfumed up on a dead possum in the middle of the road. Yeah, she's come back to the house. And I said, let her lick you now, Miss Gina. Do you, do you see where they, do you, do you, listen, even when they're not eating dead carcasses, do you know where they lick? <laughs> they're not clean animals. He just said, you, ma'am, are unclean. You, ma'am, are unworthy. And Miss Gina's watching right now, and I know that I've insulted your dog, Miss, Miss Macy. But honey, she's a dog. And she's part of our family, and we love her, and we miss her. But she's a dog, and she's unclean. And may I remind you tonight that so are you. My pastor. Oh, I can't believe I, I got myself ready to come up in here to hear my preacher. See, preach something encouraging to me. And you know what he did? He called me a dog. He told me that I shouldn't even be here tonight. That's what he told me. I called you a dog because Jesus called me and all of us dogs. We're just all dogs together. Not, listen, we are dead dogs. Dead in trespass and sin. There's nothing good about us whatsoever. He just called her a dog. Again, she could be offended. But she stood her ground. Now, we've seen adversity. Look at her acknowledgement. Look with me in verse 28. I'm almost done. And she answered and said unto him, 
Yes, Lord. Matthew's gospel says truth, Lord. Yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. What about that? She just said, Lord, you're right. I agree. I am a dog. I am unworthy. I am unclean. Look what she called him. Yes, who? Lord. <laughs> Whosoever shall call upon them, the Lord shall be saved. Amen. <laughs> now, she is accepting her position. She said, Lord, I'm a dog. And even the dogs, the dogs that come to the table, they don't take the children's bread, but they get the crumbs. Some of you youngins, you get a piece of bread or something, you go walk through the house. Cookies or whatever it is, you go walk through the house. And you know what you do? Little crumbs fall off. And you know who's right behind you? That little dog. Just listen, I'm not trying to take it from you youngins. Jesus, if you've come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, if you've come for the children of Israel that they can have bread, Lord, that's good enough. Just give me the crumbs. That's what I should have titled this tonight. Just give me the crumbs, amen. If I could just, I'm not asking for the whole loaf of bread. I'm not even asking for a whole piece of bread. Lord, Lord you're so big and so wonderful. If I could just get the crumbs off your table, that'd be more than enough to make me satisfied, amen. Now, I want you to look with me. Fourthly, and I'll be done. Here's the provision. The Bible says in verse 29, when she, when she accepted her position, when she overcame by faith her obstacle and her adversity, he said unto her, For this saying, go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. Matthew's gospel says, O woman, great is thy faith. When she was come to her house. In other words, she had to have faith. Now she's had faith. Now listen to me. She's had faith to come to Jesus and call upon him. She's heard what he said. She didn't come with entitlement. She didn't say, because I go to Bethel, I ought to get it. I've been here longer than everybody else, I ought to get it. I'm the newest person here, I ought to get it. That's not what she did. When she came... She accepted her position. She was not offended by everything moving. And guess what? Now faith brought her. And the Lord says, the daughter's gone out of your daughter. And now she's got faith to go back home. It may have taken more faith to go back home away from Jesus than it, brought, than it did to come to him. And she's going to have faith. And when she comes home, don't you know the devil said, that didn't change nothing. You wasted your time. That was a big nothing. You know, that's what the devil does. You wasted your time. That message was a mess. Nobody cares. Amen. That's what he does. And she goes home. She gets to the house. She opens the door. She calls her name. Honey? Yes, mama. <laughs> There's the girl was laying on the bed. The devil's gone. The girl's not being torn. She's not in pain. She, she's not suffering. She has got sweet relief. You know what she got? She got a crumb of comfort. She got a crumb of cure. She got a crumb of help. She had a crumb of hope. Amen. We had another dog in our house. His name was Casper. That was my dog. 
He was a big, white, Samoyed dog. And man, he would get fur everywhere. And we didn't really let him in the house much until he got scared of storms and we'd bring him in. Or he'd find a way in. But I was out on the back deck cooking hamburgers and hot dogs. How many of y'all have cookout at your house every now and then? And the dog came up on the porch where I was with his tongue hanging out. And Miss Gina walks out and says, hey, if you're going to cook our hamburgers and hot dogs, you can't have a dog up here on the porch while you're doing it. They're nasty, they're unclean. That dog is a mess. I thought, well, your dog is not. I'd say that. I said, Casper, you got to get off the porch. Go, Casper, go. I threw a ball or something. He went off the steps. Guess what he did? He come right back. Because he was smelling what I was cooking. And I, could, I insulted him. I said, you know what? You stink. Casper, you're filthy. You're shedding hair. You're getting hair everywhere. <laughs> so I finished cooking, brought everything in the house. She said, I'd like to eat outside on the deck at the picnic table. I said, that's a great idea. We sat down. She got everything fixed. As soon as we sat down to ask the blessing, guess who showed up? Casper the dog. I said, Casper, son, you've got to get out of here. You're, un you're unclean. Uh, you're, you're not worthy to be sitting at that table. You're a dog, son. I even took my knee and I did this. I kind of brushed him, right? He was there trying to nuzzle up against me. And you know what? When he nuzzled up against me, you know how dogs do. Said, hey, pay me attention. I'm down here. I, you know what I did? I answered him not a word. Because I knew if I pay him attention, this is not going to go well. So I answered him not a word. But that didn't offend him. He went to my other side and started nuzzling up the other way on the other side. And then I said, listen, this is people food. You got dog food over there. This is people food. This is not for you, son. It didn't offend him. It didn't bother him. And so you know what I did? I took my hot dog that I had put in a bun with some ketchup on it. And I had, listen, I had barbecue sauce on it. Man, right now my mouth is watering for it right now while I'm thinking about it. And I took the end of that hot dog and that bun and I tore me a piece off and I reached it over that dog and he gobbled it right up. And he sat right there and he smiled at me. See what he's saying? Thank you. Thank you. More, please. And I, little by little, you know how you do, have mercy on that dog. And I got to thinking, that dog would have nothing to eat if we didn't feed him. That dog would have nothing to drink. He was in a pen if we didn't put water in his bowl. He was totally dependent on his master to take care of his every need. And I'm talking to you tonight because a dog has preached to me a message in its lifetime of its dependency and its trust, and its worship of its master. Every time I'd go out, he'd be licking me on the hands because the dogs lick you because they worship you. We don't worship God like we ought to. We sit here like we're entitled, like he ought to just bless us just because we're here. Let me tell you who you are. You're a dog. We're unclean. We're unworthy. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to have to. 
Casper got 16 years old and he couldn't stand up hardly anymore with his hips. When he'd defecate, he'd fall in it. And I knew I had to make a decision to go put that dog down. I'll never forget loading him in their car. Some of y'all crying with me because you've had dogs that you love very dearly. We went down there to the vet, and I said, we're going to have to put him down. And they said, we agree, he can't. It's quality of life, it's just not there, we agree. And I looked at him, his little eyes. And man, he, had, he was such a help to my children. When they'd get down and out, and they didn't want to talk to us, they'd talk to Casper. He knew things we didn't know about our own children. And I looked at him, and I, I was taking his little collar off. I said, Casper, I want to tell you something. I love you. He put his paw in my hand as if to say, you've been a good master. It's been a good life. And if you decide it's time for me to go, I'm ready. One of these days, your pastor, this old dog, he's going to put his hand in the hands of his master. And his master's going to say, Son, <laughs> it's time to leave this world. It's time to cross on over. And in just a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when I take my last breath here, woo, <laughs> he's going to transcend time and eternity and escort me right into glory. He's been the best master. <laughs> this is the last time I ever get to stand before you. I'm just going to tell you right now the truth. He's been the best master this old dog could ever have. And though I'm unclean, and though I'm unworthy, this old dog right here wouldn't have a lick of food. I wouldn't have a lick of water. I wouldn't have one provision or one supply if it weren't for my master. Let me recommend him to you. The best thing you'll ever do is let him adopt you, amen, and take you into his home, amen. One of these days we'll spend together forever and ever, ever with our master. All because we got a few crumbs from the master's table. Maybe you're here tonight. You need to come to this altar and say, oh God, I've got some adversity to my faith. Oh, there's some things going on, Lord. I've been discouraged about it, God. I've, I've even prayed about it and questioned it if it's your will. But now I'm understanding, Lord, it's a testing of my faith. And maybe tonight, I, listen, you're here. You've made a profession of faith like my daughter. But you know you've never been saved. And tonight, listen, you know that the Lord Jesus Christ wants to save you. He's knocked on your heart's door. He's told you you need to be saved. You try to put it off and says, Mama says I am. Mama says I'm okay. I, I think I was three or four. Listen, he's knocking. You need to let him in. Amen. I'm just trying to be obedient. You stand to your feet tonight. Seth, you come. Maybe there's somebody here. You've got an obstacle to your faith. God bless you, son. Bless you, son. Preacher, I want to go to that altar. I was going to go up here and I want to thank him for being the best master this old dog could have ever had. Come on right now. Find him.
Father, it's me again. Bow before your throne, escorted in by the Holy Spirit, in the name of your Son, Jesus, whoever liveth to make intercession for us. Lord, I want to thank you for saving us. We were dead dogs. And you raised us up and took us in. Father, you forgave us. You gave us a special name. (laughs) And every day you make sure that we're fed, that we're watered, that we're clothed, that we're provided for and supplied. And Lord, I just want to thank you for being such a good master. And Lord, there's some adversity going on tonight. Lord, to some folks' faith, some testing, some obstacles. God, I pray that you would encourage them just to wait on the master. He knows the need. He knows the water bowl looks a little low. (laughs) He knows the need in this hour. So, Father, help us to put our little paw in your hand. Father, you take care. You work out the details. You supply. You provide. You answer in accordance to your will. And God will be satisfied. Lord, help us, Father. We thank you for what you're doing. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.